Welcome to the Football Podcast with Gadgies Paul O'Neill and me, Paul Larkin. We have the odd guest, and sometimes we even let Doogie Walt on. Hope you enjoy the crack. hope so. This is the Football Podcast and we have today a two-hander. So I'm going to say now to all the Duke's disciples, relax, he's here. Yes, fresh from the Edinburgh El Riccio Derby, it's the real Duke of Edinburgh, Mr Paul O'Neill. Hello, how are you? 
Uh, choked up with a cold, but you know, I'd complain, but who'd listen? <laughs> um, okay, so it's been a you know what, it's not really been an action packed weekend, let's face it. St Johnston 1, Sevco 2. Um, I thought St Johnston made quite a good fist of this actually. I thought they did as well, I, considering they were missing quite a few players yeah. through injury as well. And obviously they had the, the impact to like uh, care and yeah. can leaving them in the transfer window. I think a few people, like, they signed uh, Effie Ambrose late, like, late yeah. on Friday, I think. It shows like that I think they were really struggling for bodies. Or, yeah. um, but they did, they made a really good fist of it. Like, um, I, I just think it's testament to Davidson, the way he sets them up, that they, everybody knows their job. Even yeah. if they're... Um, even if they're no regulars, they, they can come in and switch in and still know the system. I must admit, um, I'm I, I'm I'm really warming to him as a manager, um, because I think that just be only based on, you know, the various documentaries you see with behind the scenes and all that kind of thing. I, he just strikes me as the sort of guy who's like, he would be good to play for, and he kind of simplifies the game. You know, it's no. Mm-hmm. You never hear them talking in the bollocks that the fucking hipster pundits talk and try to make themselves sound clever and all that, you know. Um, and obviously they go a goal up, uh, O'Halloran, who I genuinely thought, and I don't know if you noticed this, when he scored, was ready to run right up to the Huns and say, get it fucking up, you then remember they played for them. Uh, I think it may be partly why he was going to do great time there. I mean, and it's I obviously... Think the fans pretty easily. Aye. I thought St. Johnston before that as well, before, like, it was a really good finish for O'Halloran but in, like, leading up to that like, St Johnston were getting lots of joy with balls in behind on the back four mm, yeah. like just just playing in that in that area and trying to use O'Halloran's pace to well, get in behind it's funny you say that because the last time uh, we were on obviously uh, Celtic went to Ibrox and the last 15 minutes when put Kyogo there it was he ran riot you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, think, I just wonder if when you look at the bench and all that as well, St. Johnson, if Davidson looked at that and thought, hmm, there's a tactic we could think about, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, the, ubiquitous, the ubiquitous penalty comes. Now, it's funny how the pundits talk about these things because everybody says, oh, I can see why he gave it and all that sort of thing. What I'm going to say to you is, that's a penalty that very few teams get. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that to be honest. See, it's a it's a hard one though because in real time I watched it, I thought I thought it was a definite penalty. Yeah. But I guess that's the point of the referee. Like he they're meant to be better, better uh, placed, better yeah. judge, uh, better position to judge it. I thought it was a penalty at the time, and you watch it back. There's very little contact, but it was interesting that even Davidson basically went, "If you're that stupid to dive in the box." Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. Where. I think what Callum Davidson is basically talking about there is, you know, didn't he give the referee an opportunity to get them back in the game quickly? Right, I think know? exactly what it was. You know, and that's basically it. Um, Justin, something here. Um, aye, so, I mean, I can understand the frustration because, you know, the Weiss and Johnson were set up, you know, if they'd kept it another 10, 15 minutes, I think they would have certainly got a draw out of the game and might even have won it, you know, but obviously... <coughs> Um, safe I, must, I must say as well though overall I watched the majority of that game and um, I thought Colin was dreadful just his general handling of the game mm. like right after the penalty for instance there was a bit of pushing and shoving <laughs> and he just handed out he just handed out four yellow cards it's like he just wanted to make a point 
Like, for instance, Sean Rooney, as far as I could see, literally was not involved in that whole thing. I know, I know. It's like he just wanted to book an equal amount to look like he was uh, in charge of it and be the big he, man. Aye, he, aye, he basically said to Morelos, you know, what the fuck are you doing or something like that. And then, aye. But you see, I mean, call him again. And it goes back to... Um, Einstein's theory of insanity, which I feel like I'm quoting every day these days. It's, you know, just expecting you know something different for the daft cunt. You know what I mean? You're not gonna get. And obviously, it's a wonder goal to win the game. Ah, it's uh, an absolute beauty. Sometimes you just gotta take your hat off and say well done, and that's aye. a great strike. Aye, but we'll come back to them, obviously, for their scrutiny. Um, Celtic three, Ross County nil. Um, Celtic were a bit flat. Uh, you know. Sort of like, you know, a few changes, some enforced, some quite bizarre, I thought. Um, we obviously had um, some off-the-field stuff happen at Celtic, which I'll come on to. Um, but I've got to say, like, <laughs> if anybody doubts about Malky Mackay's character, like, honestly, you see him on the touchline. <laughs> I mean, he was literally gone mental, like, 15, 20 minutes into the game. Kennedy's in the... Defenders and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. They obviously come to frustrate, um, and they, they did create a couple of chances, um, but they're not a very good side, Ross County. Let's face it. No, I think I think they're toiling. Um, and, and from their point of view, when you try to frustrate and you get to an hour, it's probably you think right, the job will done. But the problem is, if you frustrate for that length of time, you've then got to you then got to try and attack at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just sit and defend. Unless your plan, your game plan is literally just trying to do it for a point, but you've got to try and open it up at some point. And they never really done it until they went one nothing down, and then they forced a really good save for Hart. It was like a, a really good save. Yeah, yeah, that was and crucial I, because Celtic had just scored at that point. Right, and um, it was a that's the kind of you know you, you talk about goalkeepers and what have you, and that's exactly what you mean when you talk about good goalkeepers that they are the the saves that they make. Um, and it was weird because obviously if Celtic to the last game. Had Christy, Kyogo, and Edward, and none of them's obviously playing yesterday. Mm. Huge difference. Jota done well, you know, for his first game. Ajete, despite his 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 two goals, was anonymous as usual. Um, Abada was all right. Um, McGregor looked knackered. Didn't even know. I don't know why he was playing when you got James McCarthy on the bench after playing three games. You know, Scotland, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure. It was, you know, after getting beat at Ibrox and after, you know, um, what happened on the Friday, etc. I think most Celtic fans just be happy to get the three points and kind of regroup a wee bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, injuries. And interesting, you said that about Mackay's touchline touchline manner like I remember watching a Scotland youth game once remember he was like the technical director or whatever yeah. in, in charge of youth so he, he wasn't officially involved at all mm. and he, he basically came out in the touchline and then just started taking over and screaming <laughs> at players and you've got you've got that I think it may be under 19s and you've got the manager sitting there clearly absolutely raging at being undermined like that but he can't really do anything and the guy's just screaming at players the most basic instructions like mm. like sort of play it long get in the corner right, right. and you just watch him and get, if you've got the balls to <coughs> come out the stand to come to an overrage your own yeah. manager it just shows you the character of the guy I'd well think, I actually I'd witnessed to something similar in 2008 in New Jersey I went to my mate with my mate Gary to see his wife Anne-Marie play softball she was playing two softball games in the night and we took a uh, hundred cans of beer with us right <laughs> and um, <coughs> we watched the first game and then I ended up talking to this Italian boy 
who, you know, as you what, can he be a mate? No, 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 yeah, oh yeah, okay, 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 and that kind of guy. So I talked to me, next thing I turn around, fucking Gary's basically coaching his wife's softball team. She's, <laughs> at, she's at first base, like, giving him daggers, you know, like, for fuck's sake. And, and then the, the coach, you know, was a kind of mild-mannered guy. He was, he thought it was all kind of funny and that kind of thing. And I was like, Jesus, fuck. So, but, uh, I so speaking of Mackay's, uh, the news, I guess, the bombshell dropped on Friday that Dominic Mackay um, had resigned for Celtic. Um, I do think he was basically tailed to resign. <laughs> um, you know, it was jump before your push kind of thing. Um, and clearly it was a <clears throat> statement that was very, very short. You know, it was basically... Uh, oh, thanks for everything you've done. See you later. And then, you know, oh, we're bringing in Michael Nicholson, who's a team player, you know, and, and sort of thingly veiled. And um, I think that um, the personal reasons thing was obviously a, a cover, you know, um, sorry, because when they do that, you know, they're basically signed a non-disclosure, you know, we'll pay, mm-hmm. pay out the contract, sign a non-disclosure and sign me. But, <clears throat> I mean, I remember, I've said on the show... In other places, like, you know, I met the guy a few times and I was very worried for the minute I day one and I said it in public. I said, you know, the first time I met him, they mentioned the phrase old firm, which, you know, goes to like a lead balloon with Celtic supporters. And he kept referring to um, Sevco as our noisy neighbours, which, you know, eventually somebody says to him, they're only fucking noisy because of you cunts in here. You know? <laughs> Um, and I just thought, God almighty, this guy, I don't know, he just seemed a bit, like, naive, you know, and a bit, a bit wide-eyed. But the undertones seem to be that um, this old firm thing was a thing for him, and he was actually, supposedly, making overtures to them about uh, joint commercial de- deals and stuff like that, which obviously, you know, was, you know, an ethmarty staff and all that, and seeing the fans will go absolutely ballistic if this happens. Um he was putting it about that he got Ange Postacoglu, which I think Ange Postacoglu has now confirmed that that wasn't the case at all. Um, in fact, only met him at Wembley, or in London, sorry, after his quarantine, they went to Wembley. It was the first time he'd ever met or spoke to him. Yeah, as far as Mackay was concerned, it was him that got him. He was claiming for um, signings that he had nothing to do with. Um, and this kind of seemed to be a sort of thing with the with the staff where they just couldn't didn't know if they were getting told the truth or no quite a lot and that's not really good when it's the boss of the company um, I also think there was a lot of spin for his side when he came oh I've been a Celtic supporter all my life for a scene to go there. I don't believe you even was a scene to go there um, and certainly in the conversations that I had with him it never struck me as somebody who was a uh, died in the wheel football fan, never mind Celtic fan. Now, people might say, <clears throat> you know, why does he have to be a Celtic fan to be chief executive? And the answer is he doesn't. <coughs> but what you do need to have is a fucking understanding of what Celtic's all about. You know, you can't go into, mm-hmm. you can't go into it blind and just be like, oh, you know, we've got what, that team over the road. Why don't we fucking join up with them and make their money? It's like, well... Had yeah. you heard anything like, in the offing before it? Because I, th- I thought it was a complete shock. I hadn't heard it. Well, Normally you hear be rumours and rumbles, but I never heard anything. The, I, I mean, I wouldn't, not that he was leaving, but I was hearing a lot of bad stuff. And, you know, and my own experiences were telling me that... I don't know. I just, well, I just don't know what this fucking guy's doing. I know for a fact, for example, staff were put. You know, he he was he was getting proposals etc. Put in by staff, 
and being like, oh, this is fantastic and all the rest of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll push this through and what have you. And then they never heard the thing again. <laughs> um, I think the warning signs, public warning signs, were when Gordon Strachan came in to do the consultancy job. Because I said mm. in this programme, and if, if, if Strachan's coming in to oversee how the academy should be run and the workshop should be run, etc., and the recruitment should be done, what the fuck is Mackay doing? Because that's the job of a CEO. You know, it's as simple as that. So I think at that point, Celtic had already known that this was not the guy. And we need somebody that we know to do this. Um, and then I think the, 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 the absolute top man just basically put to him that, you know, you can go with a non-disclosure and the contract paid out or we can just fucking publicly fucking <coughs> destroy you, basically. Um, and, mm. and that's why he went. Um, now, the, obviously, the... Um, They've replaced them with Michael Nicholson, who I've also know. Um, got to say, it's a strange appointment. I don't think he's got the experience or that, but I think he is definitely going to be given the chance to see if he's good enough for the job or not. But at the same time, the bigger picture with Celtic is that uh, there's no head of recruitment. Ange Postecoglou has made it clear he doesn't want a director of football. He's not got his own backroom staff, so I don't know where he fits in all of this, and I don't know what he's going to be thinking about this. I really like the guy, I think I've made that clear. I think he's a he's a good manager, I think he's also someone who doesn't even bullshit anybody and just kind of tells it how it is. Um, he was interviewed before the game yesterday and um, he was just, you know, a ha- by a half with Jerry McCulloch. Uh, oh, the fans are quite happy now. And he looked at me and went, why? I'm not happy. Why? And like, well, the answer is because the fans are only fucking happy. For various different reasons, but you know, so <clears throat> Celtic are in a mess right now. There's no two ways about it. And there have been for a long time, and um, unfortunately, it was in a situation where the only way that mess would have been cleaned up was if the entire season ticket holding. I just said, no, we're not buying a season ticket. Um, but you know, some people, unfortunately, I think I liken it to a relationship that people are in, and everybody's telling you, look, him or her, she's a fucking prick, you know. But you didn't want to believe it, you know, and you didn't want to be, you want to say, no, 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 I, I, I know I'm like you, didn't I? No, I know I'm like you, didn't I? That kind of thing. Um, and they, <clears throat> they, they wants to put their hands up and say, I was duped. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they, they knew best, etc. and whatever. And I also could understand the love of the club and all that sort of thing. But as I said on Twitter on Friday, that certainly supporters, whatever happens with Mackay and Michael Nicholson and all the rest of it, the bottom line is certainly supporters have let down future generations of the club because we have not stood up to Laurel and Desmond and we have allowed this fiasco to go on for a long time now and it's been masked by trophies in a, let's face it, very piss poor league, um, as we'll probably talk about. But What is uh, um, Nicholson's background? Where's he, is he already He's been there since 2013. He kind of oversaw all the legal stuff. He often represented Lawwell and different things. Um, he's 45 year old. Got his, I mean, there's not really, you know, he's got a very strong handshake. <laughs> and it's no Masonic. Like, it's no Masonic. So I'm saying if he's representing Lowell on that, is it a dangerous Lowell's guy then? I don't think it's a danger, I think that's absolutely true. Is it? <laughs> aye, okay. aye, there's no, there's no two ways of doing it, he's Lowell's guy. Um, and, you know, Lowell had his media lap dogs, like fucking um, a few of them basically coming out and say, oh, you know, despite the social media fucking rumblings about Lowell still would have an influence, <clears throat> well, 
anybody that thinks he's not got any influence, I've got a fucking bridge to sell you, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, aye, it's a big crisis. And, and also, you've got to say, like, you know, if you want to just talk about it in terms of football, anybody that thinks the Celtic are in good shape right now, just look at the bench yesterday. You know what I mean? There was nothing to bring on and change that game yesterday. Montgomery came on for Taylor, who I've never thought was good enough to play for Celtic. And Montgomery's a good player, you know, young player and all the rest of it. Um, but there was, you know, because there was no Kyogo, obviously uh, the new striker that was bought was not um, fit enough to play. You know, you were toiling up front. You know, then obviously Griffiths is gone and Sarah. So, so there's a big, big job still there. And um, but I would suggest that the bigger job is actually um, the actual football club, in the sense of, you know, where is Celtic going? What is its plan? And what exactly is Celtic these days? Because the identity just seems to have eroded completely into what I would say, you know, I've said to people at the club, like, why, how can they be so incompetent and so on? And eventually people just say it's very easy because they just don't give a fuck about the fans. So what you think is incompetence, they see as their job. You know, and that's why we're so divided. But that's for another day. Uh, Dundee now, Livingston now. Uh, not really the greatest. Livingston's first point of the season. Uh, I, I thought, um, I watched the highlights and I thought Dundee actually had by far the better chances. Yeah. The Livingston goalie was made two or three really good saves. Yeah. But I think that's been partly Dundee's problem for what I've seen so far. Full stop is like they've looked in control of games and yeah. they've looked well in games, but they're not taking chances that they're creating. Mm. Um, that might improve the fit of Griffiths gets because I think I said himself that was his first 90 minutes in about 18 months two years something like that aye aye that's right um, and let's face let's get cards on the table here Dundee was the only team in for Griffiths mm. um, there was no Hibs Jack Ross not not remotely interested the only reason Dundee's took him was because of James McPake James McPake played with him at Hibs was there when he had a lot of his off the field issues and stuff like that can he put the arm on the shoulder? So he was willing to take a chance on him. Um, but as you could see, even for the highlights, I mean, he's miles away from being match fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the touch is still there. But yeah, well, he's, I, that's what I was going to say. Is like, overall, I think he wasn't quite good enough, but he still had one good, really good effort. And he still got that wee twist. And, and if he's, if he's, I think the plan is obviously to give him as many names as possible and see if it sort yeah. of sparks something on him. But as I think the commentator said, whether his body holds up to that at that yeah. age, if no playing for that on and stuff is a different, yeah, a different, different thing altogether. The, the Livingston goalie kept him in the game, though. He, he's the one they've got to thank for the point, I think. Aye, I mean, I thought, I, see, that's the thing. I think um, it's kind of like sick boys theory. You know, you get it and then you lose it, and that's it. I just didn't think you can bring it back. I really didn't. I mean, mm-hmm. George Best tried it for about fifteen fucking years, fifteen clubs, and, all, and never ever, you know. Like still Hibs, Hibs still got relegated when he went there, you know, it was that kind of thing. So aye, pretty dire. And speaking of pretty dire, Murrayville to Aberdeen now, I'm going to say like Aberdeen are fucking shocking. And it, it's so obvious why. The signings have been appalling. I mean, you know, they've man- jumped around this. Emmanuel Thomas, as I've said today, Scott Brown playing week in, week out is just ludicrous to me. Everybody you can ask any Celtic supporter. He hasn't got blinkers on last season. He was done. He was done last season. He had no impact on the Celtic team whatsoever. And it doesn't work where 
you know, you come down to fucking a, come down a, a team level and you'll be alright because you're still playing against the same players except now you're playing with lesser players. Mm-hmm. I know, I think um, I was really surprised. Well, I guess no surprise, but like, Aberdeen looked terrible. Like, they're really, really poor and I thought the opening goal was awful for their point yeah. of view. Like, what beat what beats the defender to knock it wide far too easily and then the cross in like and that Van Veenboy was unmarked for five yards which is just criminal really mm. and then considering that the, the left and what had been unmarked like two minutes before that Mr. Sitter mm-hmm. and they've done the exact same thing right, right again and the second again the second one it's not quite a free header but it's still terrible defending it's just a simple cross and that yeah. uh, Oyala from Motherwell's just got across his marker it's like and that Outside, outside that, like Aberdeen created nothing. No, well, that's nothing it. Real substance. I mean, every week they're like a fucking boxer that's past his best. Just, just, oh, please, just stop doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we were speaking to, speaking to Dougie, wasn't he? And he was saying like he's, he's starting to fear that Glass is the new Ian Cathro, like a guy that talks a good game, got a good reputation. Well, you know, when you let's, but let's is he again? I've said this a million times. Clubs in Scotland are badly run across the board. Stephen Glass should no be nowhere near that job, right? Mm. And the fucking it's sold as well. You know the backdrop. The, the you know the backdrop would be if he's shouting with Brian Scott Brown as a manager. Scott Brown shouldn't be anywhere near the job either. Can no. I mean we we Celtic done that in ninety nine two thousand with Barnes and Dalgleish, and none of them were fucking up to the job. It's it doesn't work like that. I mean Aberdeen. The bottom line is they've not recruited well. Um, they've let a lot of decent players go and they had a, a manager who had run his time, there's no doubt had got them decent positions in the league and won a cup and all the rest of it and they've replaced them with somebody who has not got the experience you know, much like he and Cafro <laughs> um, taking over Hertz now, similarly I think you've also got to remember the kind of mindset in Scotland where you've got your Craig Levine types who spout non-stop on the radio about how shit everybody is at management. You know, where whilst they fucking completely airbrush their thing in society. But this is Aberdeen, you know what I mean? It's a one-club city, it's a fucking very big club in Scotland, and you kind of look at it and just go, fucking hell, man, you're, you're sliding, mm. you know, in glass. I, I think as well, though, there's so many folk, for what I understood, Aberdeen were, quite divided amongst the support that some were desperate to get rid of McInnes mm. and some were more along the lines of careful what you wish for Aye. and they're the kind of guys that will jump over at this and say oh we should have stuck with McInnes but for me it's, a ve- it's very similar to when Strachan was in Scotland mm. just because an immediate replacement wasn't obvious mm. doesn't mean it was the right thing to keep Strachan no I agree with that so, and, and similarly keeping McInnes isn't the right because McInnes there they might have had a few more points from the board and up that end but it, it ran its course you know what I mean yeah. I think we're right to change it it's just I think they've gambled it looks poorly so far anyway under God. Oh, it does and it just I say it all the time like he does not inspire no. you know unless he's fucking got a complete split personality and is like effervescent in the dressing room I just didn't understand you know how that's going to inspire players you know I, I think there's a lot in the fact that players have to look over and get dealt by a guy who's either done well as a player or done well as a manager and say, I know, because very, very soon 
players, any players will tell you, they'll just be like, fucking, this cunt's not got a clue. And that, mm. that spreads like fucking wildfire in their dressing room. Um, and they, for whatever, and players, you know, players are the strongest entity in the game. They've all got the money, they've got all the power, and if they all turn around and say, right, well, let's lose the next three or four games, he's out the job. Simple as that, you know? But aye, Doogie Watt was definitely um, worried, you know. I mean, he was saying, even when they beat Don United and they were getting all the plaudits, he said the performance wasn't that great. Mm. You know? like, I think he, he said uh, false dawn I think is the phrase he used for the aye. the hacking game when they beat hacking 5 nothing. Well, and to be aye. fair I think a few of that as well like, thought it was a really impressive result and thought well maybe this, maybe this guy knows what he's doing um, but it's obviously they've not been on a great run since so plus you couple that with the, the Wraith Rovers knock out the cup as well and it's aye. Aye. it's not aye. questions it's not, start to get asked out of the doors That's it's not looking good and we, you know, we said at the time and Doogie said at the time, and all well, Aberdeen are not a club that have got the the right to drop players for a cup tie. You know, no. it's as simple as that. The, the only the only thing like you've seen it happen before. The managers need a bit of time with their squad. Yeah. And, you look at like Callum Davidson last season. Yeah, a lot of folk were saying he was a bum after the first first round of fixtures or whatever. Um, and look what he went on today. But for here, that looks like a long way off for, for Glass at this the point. The thing about that, though, just to finish on that, is the fact that when that was happening, people were saying, you can see what Davidson's trying to do. Mm. And he stuck with it. Doogie himself, and I'm not just, I mean, he's obviously not the only Aberdeen fan in the world, is saying, I, can't, I don't know what they're trying to do. Mm. The players don't seem to know what they're trying to fucking do. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I've got his, like, Deccan Garker, I was a big fan of him at Murrayville in Scotland. He's, he's fallen to pieces. Yeah. It just fucking I know he's getting dogs abuse yesterday, but um another fucking classic in Scotland, St Mirren no, Dun United no. Um what did you think of the brophy goal that was shopped off? Uh, I thought it was pretty unlucky to be honest. Mm. It was good. You, you see him given like but I I don't know. Like I I think if it had been given it would have been a bit of travesty. I thought Dun United were miles a better team. Through the course of the game, so uh, although it, it could well have been given, I think uh, it's probably fair fair that it wasn't even the overall overall piece. Wait, you, so you're saying because Don United were a better team, it shouldn't have been given? No, no, I'm just That's talking about playing stuff in terms of the result. Um, I, I think it's because it was Curtis Main. If it had been another player, I think they would have got that. But he's True. known for that kind of thing, and you know his reputation preceded him. Um, it's kind of you know. Both clubs, I think, probably had higher aspirations this season and in what we are there now. And I thought it was interesting, Tam, or Thomas Coates, as we're supposed to call him now, basically said last season we weren't creating enough chances under the previous mm. regime and now we are. And that's kind of been talked about with Mickey Mellon that that's basically what cost Shankland his place in, in the Europe, Euros and stuff like that. Um but you know who knows but I don't know I don't know if, if I was a Simon or a the direct fan I, I, I wouldn't be overly happy with what's happening right now like you know it's I, I, see, see United St Mirren no I wouldn't because I think Goodwin came in done a good job done a decent job last season this has been a pure start for them mm. but United I think United look better than they did last season like they're what they're sitting comfortable mid table mm. now and they're making chances whether they're good enough to take them is <laughs> You well, played this card so a lot this week, and I'm I'm just not seeing it. I just I don't know. I mean, what are you basing that on exactly? Well, 
I've seen them create chances. They created chances yesterday. They created chances against Hearts. They created chances against Rangers. They're, they're maybe not taking them, and that's that's a concern. But I think they're trying to play a mere expansive style of football. And they're still sitting roughly mid-table at this point, so they're no any worse off than they were under Mellon. Okay. Um, so, to El Rico today... Um, now, I'll go, we'll talk about Doogie Watt. He seems a very good game. I think that's just because he fucking watches Aberdeen and he thinks the innings good, eh? Because it's not a very good game. Um, first half, I thought, Hertz come out and they were, they were like they were tranquilised or something. Ah, the first 15 minutes, I was, 10, 15 minutes, I was sitting there. I was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Mm. Because, plenty of times, the, the quality's maybe not great in the first 10, 15 minutes while people Aye. are coming 100 miles an hour. But we weren't even involved in the battle. It's like no. we'd fucking thought it was a quarter past twelve kickle for something. Absolutely hopeless to start with. And you've got to give Hibs their, their due because they came out fired up. Well, I mean, they never created a lot, but they, they had a lot of the ball and they were winning tackles and stuff. And it my, sets the tone. My theory on that was that Nielsen set up to play against uh, Boyle and Nisbet and didn't account for Scott. And for mm. 15 minutes, they just didn't know what to do. It was like, mm. oh, fuck, you know. And so... Hibs, not, I mean, they weren't exactly tearing Hertz apart, but they were kind of, everything seemed to be dropping to them, the bo- Hertz were clearing the ball, it was coming back to Hibs and so on, and you're kind of looking at it like, well, fucking Hertz turned up here or what? Um, and then, of course, Hertz coming back into it a bit more, a few shots, um, nothing too, sort of, magic. Um, no, but I think one we had was for a corner, and Mackay Stevens fluffed it, but it's a, it's a good chance, but he's made it look like it, wasn't he? Because he, he's, Finish was so poor. He, um, he was completely unmarked for about 10 yards. He's got time to take a chance, and, uh, take a touch, sorry. And he just never, that lack of, but that kind of lack of composure pretty much summed up the first half for both teams, I think. The one thing that probably was a wee bit thingy in the first half initially was the voice uh, McGinn foul. Mm. Which, when I looked at it first, I went, oh no, I thought it was a definite red card. And then as soon as I seen the replay, I was like, oh, it's no. You know what I mean? Is it, like, I, I've not seen it back. And at the game, I genuinely couldn't understand why it had been given against Boyce. It's basically Boyce stood on McGinn's heel. That's what happened. Right, okay. So, enough with that. Uh, I, I, at the game, I was. I was by the way, I've got to say, I know you were uh, none too happy McGinn, but I thought Paul McGinn had a fucking great game today, like. I thought he was alright. I thought, I thought he was the best out their back three. Yeah. Um, I thought Portis, I've seen, I've seen people praising Portis online today, and I thought when we were playing the ball long, he was eating it up all day and he mm. he'll, he'll happy with that. As soon as we put him under any kind of pressure, I thought he looked terrible. Like, I think he was robbed blind three times and got lucky. I mean, he set the tone right away where he put a, a heavy challenge in straight away kind of thing. Um, which is, you know, if you get away with that. And I think, you know, it was Nick Walsh's first ever Edinburgh derby and I think he was trying mm. to let it go as often as possible when the players were taking advantage of that. Aye, I think, um, think first half, as you say, like first 10-15 minutes, Hertz were awful. And yeah. we came back into it, I had a few efforts. And Mackay Stephen had a good effort, saved by Macy. Um, Woodburn had one just over, but Hibbs obviously had the two right before oh, half time. Just, aye, oh aye. Um, just before coming to the second half, Hibbs were in the away top. Uh, I, I was actually going to ask that, because I've never seen any explanation. Was no, anything mentioned nothing, about that? Nothing, nothing I heard, it's no. absolutely bizarre. I don't know if it's like a, a trick. Like a mindset thing trying to mess with us with. I mean it's weird because I found it odd they were, they were saying obviously the thing about the this would be their third World League win in a row at Tynecastle and the first time in their history they've won three games in a row at Tynecastle before but one of them was a cup game uh, in, mm-hmm. in the 70s 
So I, I did think that was bizarre. Um, obviously, there was a, the, the kind of double save, well, quick succession uh, for Gary McHigh, Stephen and Macy. Um, mm. The first one was a fucking incredible save. Like, um, was it? Oh, oh Jesus, I. I mean, people will say McHigh should, should score for him. I mean, I don't know well, if he could do I, much I more. I think I text you that. Because I, I was at the other end of the, the ground. I thought it was a really, uh, really clever pass for Woodburn to disguise it and put him through. And I think... Mackay Stephen, that from my point of view, so I thought he should have had more conviction. But, but I, I, I fully admit I was for the other end. I never, I've never I, seen I, mean, it was, I think he had to be plenty of power. You know, it's a full stretch arm. You know, so yeah. um, bit strange. Hibbs taking Scott off. I thought he was injured initially, but it's Ross the after the game, wasn't he? Couldn't understand that. Bring Gogic. I, I, I do think that we were getting the hold of the midfield as the game went on. I thought uh, Beningame and Haran were getting Mary a grip it. Because they only had, what, McGuinness and uh, Newell in there, mm. and neither one of them were put themselves about that much, so I, I can see why he done it. Did. It probably wouldn't have been Scott for me that went off, to be I honest. Thought, I, thought, I thought Newell did, to be honest. I thought he had a decent decent uh, game. Um, bit strange Hertz taking Ben Woodburn off. Aye. I, 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 I thought he was really finding understand. his aim, like, and, you know, he's putting passes about. And... Also, no, not just him, I thought... I thought for most of the game Mackay Stephen had been really quiet mm. and just as he was sparking into life we took him off because he had the two chances and it just felt like we, Hearts had some decent options on the bench we got like, wide players and, and what to get uh, Mackay a debut I think as well but yeah. it, it felt like we'd done it too early for me normally I'm screaming for subs quite early doors but I thought we were getting a point where Hibs were sitting back and I think we were getting changed I actually thought Woodburn was linking up really well with Boyce and Mackay Stephen, we won twos and they always wanted to go forward. I mean, that's one of the things I was going to say to you. I thought Boyce was really starved his service. Uh, hugely. You know? Like, the boy behind me was gone nuts at him, saying, you're a lazy bastard, but I'm like, one thing you can call Boyce is, it's no lazy. He was, he was everywhere, he was trying, but you've got to give, you've got to give support. Like, I thought our two wingers were too far away from him and on the few occasions we did get closer, we looked like we were going to create something. Mm. I think as well though that um, Michael Smith getting injured ruined our plans a wee bit because I think the plan was to maybe bring on uh, Devlin who's a midfielder who's got, apparently got loads of energy and instead we had to put on like a centre half at right wing back mm. and it kind of took away one of our options and then Haran and Beningame died a death a wee bit because they put on so much and also and the, last, the last couple of minutes like the last five minutes I'd say Hibs were the stronger team Aye. until we had what a half chance and in injury time. I genuinely think a draw was probably fair. Like there were some really good saves for both goalies. I don't. Th- I can't remember a, a derby with that many chances, but the finishing probably should have seen a, Aye, a goal at some Finishing was poor. I mean, especially Hibs at the end. I mean, Nisbet should have fucking scored at least two. Um, one thing I wanted to mention was Barry Mackay, um, Alice Band. <laughs> what the fuck is he doing? The haircut is fucking terrible. To be honest, I don't know what it is. Um, I'd be, I'd be forcing him to shave it for the next game to be honest it was, it was just bizarre when he came on um, but aye and um, I always think a derby that's a draw is a fucking waste of everybody's time <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know if, I, I don't know if the show don't on the telly as well though but like at the end of the game the Hibs, the Hibs players went to the Hibs end and they were getting like, the whole end stayed to salute them and they were around the think. It wasn't that kind of game though where like it's not like we'd battered them and hung on and got like a, a point they probably didn't yeah. deserve. And it wasn't also like a game where they gave everything and were Miles a better team. So I thought like the, the standard ovation was like, a quick round of applause, fair enough, but like they all went over to a man. It was weird like they won 2 0. I think I mean there was there was a low top during the game, right? 
like anybody cares. Andy Walker just think I think he's obviously like, this is going to be my agenda today. Every two minutes, all he talked about was how phenomenal it was to have the away fans here. You know, and why certain other fucking darbies can't do this and all this fucking shit, like you know, he just talks utter pish constantly. Um, but it was, it was, you know, anybody on either side with that wee bit of quality, um, could have won the game for their team. Martin Boyle showed it a couple of times. I just, I get this impression about both teams, right? That Hibs have got better attacking players, but Hertz. I've got the mentality, and I mean it's, you know, I would I would say that you know, if it was if this was a hipster podcast, we would have described the game as brute force hearts against the warrior poet Hibs, you know, but you kind of thought that as much as the ability that Hibs have got up front, have they actually got the fucking minerals to actually go and win this game? You I don't think I mean? they were. I don't think they were like in terms of. Like, I don't think there was much football play full stop today, to be perfectly honest, for either team. But both Hibs were getting mere joy when they were going long and trying to get Boyle in behind, because it, it worked a couple of times. But I'm not, you're right, mentality-wise, I don't think. I mean, the problem, the, second, Hibs, I think. the problem for second half for Hibs, I don't think it was necessarily Hibs got much better. Hibs just could not find a fucking pass. It was 20, minutes, so 20, minutes of, so 20 minutes of the game, they couldn't get a ball for A to B. And it was only when Hertz just ran out of puff that they suddenly were like, oh, well, maybe we could nick this, and then suddenly two or three chances. And that's when, to me, as a manager or anybody, because you'll get managed, both managers, oh, delighted, and that fucking pish, you know, is that you should be saying to them, why can you not do that in the whole fucking game? That's what they're paying you do, you know? Uh, we, we, brought on, um, we brought on Josh Ginelli, and I'm, I'm quite a big fan of him because he's quite direct and quick, but he never took his man on once. Terrible. Not he was, once. He was terrible. He had a heater... Just after he came on, I was nah. all right. Like, he probably should have knocked it back across, to be honest. Um, apart from that, like, he, he just never took his man on. It's so frustrating because that's the type of back player is. I thought I actually thought Macy made a real good save. That I think was at hand when nearly knocked one of his in net a couple of minutes ago. So he does. Real, I, I, I was impressed by Macy. I, I, I thought Aye. he was a bit. Um, well, there was a wee a, bit. A questionable, but Aye, there was a wee bit fucking um, conjecture after the game because uh, obviously it was a hair guy that got the. Man of the match, and they say to me, "Say, you surprised you or Craig Gordon didn't get man of the match?" And he's like, "I didn't get man of the match." You know, <laughs> like what the fuck. And he's like, "I wasn't aware somebody else had got it." You know, but anyway, we shall move on to uh, Scotland, who played three games, won two, had a horrific um, forty-five minutes in Denmark, in Copenhagen, shall uh, probably a horrific 90 minutes at Hamden and still won the game and then pulled off a really good performance in Austria to really strengthen their grip on the second place and you know could easily just clinch it almost by beating Israel in the next game Aye I, th- I think um, if anybody gave you that kind of option before the week you'd have snapped their hand off six points and nine uh, there's obviously disappointments though because the Denmark game we just were hopeless like that first half, it's even first half, it was that, that 10 minute spell, mm-hmm. just, you kind of get goals away that quickly to each other. If you lose one, then you lose another one so quickly. Yeah. It's fucking schoolboy stuff. But Denmark are a, a quality team, and I think they're going to walk the group. Well, I think they have. Um, aye, aye, well, aye, they have. No matter how um, good they are, though, you didn't play Andy Robertson at right wing back. No. And by the way, you could tell that after like two, three minutes, he wasn't mm-hmm. comfortable. So he tried a big crossway straight foot. Barely made any connection and hit the first man, mm-hmm. and I I think a really good manager had his hand up and takes that off 
like switches at early doors says I got that wrong we tried something but we persisted with that for 45 minutes and it really hurt us and I don't think I don't think it's fair on Robertson either to be perfectly honest no. he's never played there before if you were going to play one of the two him and Tierney on the right Tierney's played there before for Scotland aye I know you know what I mean like, he, might not, he might not be as effective but he's clearly more comfortable on that side than, I know, than Robertson just... but this comes down to as well those Clark's stubbornness to call folk up like we went there with what eighteen players, mm. and that's all we had. He should have called up a massive squad in the first place, with the possibilities of coughs and there's three games in eight days anyway, mm. and then COVID and whatnot. So I was quite disappointed with that aspect. That the Moldova game was a brutal watch. I mean, we won, we deserved to win, and we created quite a few chances. But like, it was all like. It was all predictable. It was all like Moldova just sat back and we, we couldn't break them down. Wasn't it good to watch at can all? I, well, can I see you in the Moldova game, right? Can I just ask you what the feeling you know among obviously you're a match going Scotland fan about the fact that we're no filling Hamden for for home games. I know the Israel games pretty much sold out, but you know that pushed up to forty thousand on the day or whatever. I just didn't understand that. Like, what is the problem? I mean, let me get me wrong. Like, uh, let's take historical issues and all that kind of thing. Is it the Yankee tickets are too much? Is it hard to too hard to get them? Fucking Hamden. What is it? I, I don't honestly don't know. Like, I don't think ticket prices probably could always be better. But like, it was twenty quid if you were a Scotland Supporters Club member, mm. and they could buy more than one apparently. I didn't know that. I thought it was just one one per person. Um. Like £25 on the day, it is too much for a game like that, but they set their prices at the start. But it's more, I think it must be more than that, because nobody's going to call for a whole day that they fancied for a sake of five, or if you know what uh. I mean. But I don't, I don't know, I think Hamden's a part of it. 7.45 on a Saturday night's a fucking well, brutal kickoff. One of the things, that's what I was going to say to you, right? So, probably no me now, to be quite honest, but like 10, 15 years ago, that's perfect, right? Let's go through... You know, back at 12, whatever, day on the bevy, we'll go to the game, all the rest of it, Yahoo. Really, that kickoff time and, and that day, that's all, the only people that that suits. It doesn't suit yeah. families and it doesn't suit older people. You know what I mean? So, I don't know why the fuck they, they do it. I don't know why they agree to it. Why not even just have it three o'clock on a Saturday? I don't know. I, I don't know if FIFA or UEFA, sorry, forced their hand. I don't care if they've got to be certain ones. At certain times or, or what, but I, I genuinely thought it would be close to sell it on the basis that nobody's been there for two years, maybe in the Euros. Oh, exactly, aye. <clears throat> I thought, um, it's 40,000 40, historically a good crowd against a team like Moldova, but I did think it would be better. Um, I just think you should be night. selling out every home, I mean, you know, realistically, all right, take out the Huns. You've got the best part of five million people in this country to support Scotland, right? And it's I know it's a weird thing because... Let me say, if the Jeannie Gone- Godley incident this week has told us anything, is that there are certain different branches of Scottish people who mm-hmm. didn't all think the same way. And I'm not talking about like a, a, a racist divide or anything like that. I'm talking about people who, you know, uh, probably all want independence and probably all are proud to be Scottish, but like they didn't agree on much else. And the, I feel like that there is n- nothing done by the SFA or its fucking PR broadfoot cunt to actually reach out to supporters and say, do you want to come? Yeah. 
They had a, a slogan at the start of the last campaign before COVID was nothing matters more, right? And they're still doing it. Well, it, clearly, the last eight months tell you actually stuff does matter more than football. <laughs> you know, I just think the fucking we miss out. You know, we the, you know, and 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 by the way, see if they turned on Friday and last Friday or whatever and said right, we're getting ten thousand fucking uh, kids in improvised areas. See if one person will oh, fuck you off pay for my ticket. Ban them for life. Because <laughs> you're not supporting any country with that attitude. But even that, though, like, if they give the tickets, like, the practicalities goes back to the 7.45 game. If you're giving it to kids, who's taking them on no, Saturday no. night through to Glasgow? Like, and you're talking to people up north and that as well. Like, how do they get back? Right. How do they even get back at that time of night? You ruin people I mean, with these kickoff times. It's his- horrible. Historically, when I first started going to Scotland games, the vast majority of fans that went to them were for Glasgow. Right, mm-hmm. um, you know, helped by the fact that the ground was in Glasgow. I didn't think that's the case at all, mm-hmm. and yet there's ne- never any nod to that whatsoever. You know, and you just wonder how much that has to do with, you know, first the contract we handed and now the owner they handed in. But it's like, well, why should we get to anybody else? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion as well that although they'd maybe lose a few quid, they'd be far better served having games like Moldova at. Easter Road, Tinkers, mm. or somewhere that you actually get an atmosphere. You know I, I mean, and it I spreads mean, it a bit, a bit. That's the fun thing we lack in this country is a thirty thousand all seater stadium that would be just in the middle right. of that. Aye, so and then of course the good win in Austria, <coughs> um, which was another, I, I never actually seen the game, but you know it's it's good because um, Austria. Uh, it was a, sorry. Just got to see Austria. Well, looked half decent in the Euros, um, but yeah, I've yeah. shocker a week, obviously. Aye, aye, like the, the Israel, they moves in Israel was massive because it, it all of a sudden made that game. We thought we were going into that game, it was a must win, and then all of a sudden it was like, it was a must no lose. Mm. And I was quite impressed that we actually approached it in the way we did because yeah. I, I was worried that Clark was going to play for the point. Yeah. And even when we went 1 0 up, we went a bit deeper, but we mm. never just gave up and thought, like, we'll just protect what we have. We, mm. we had all the chances, really. Yeah. I think Gordon only. Had a save in the like the ten minutes to go, mm-hmm. and I was really impressed. It's one thing that I think you can argue about Clark because he, he's quite cool. He got a game plan for certain types of games. Mm-hmm. You look at Wembley, Serbia, even when we played Holland in the the friendly, and now in away in Austria, like, he, he's quite comfortable against certain levels of teams. I think that we'll just give the ball up in certain areas and we'll work hard on others. Well, that's I mean, and we'll hit on the counter. That's been his whole fucking philosophy in it as a manager. So. But it's the, as you say, though, like, it's the flip side of that Moldova one, though, because you have to go and win by a couple of goals and they win by one. And it's good enough because results elsewhere have went yeah. our way. Listen. But I, it worries me a bit about the Israel game because you're going to have to go and win that. And is he going to have is he going to have that about him to then turn it around and actually have a, a proper go and change it up a bit? I don't understand the fascination with a 3-5-2 at home against teams like Moldova. We don't need five defenders. And it's changing that mentality that I think what he's got to work on a wee bit. Mm. Oh, can I speak now? Fuck me. The last <laughs> 25 minutes, he fucking ran and everything. Um, I've just got to say, that's the hardest thing in football, though, is to go and win a game. Aye. I mean, it's easy. It's Aye, easy, far easier to stop people scoring than it is the actual score. OK, the next subject we've all got today, and we've kind of had the wind taking our sails with COVID passports, but the English government's pulled the plug on it, which probably will lead to Scotland because we, we both know, and I think anybody listening on the clubs are more equipped for this. Have no idea what the fuck they're going to do to implement it. Um, speaking for my club, they didn't have anything set up for QR codes. They certainly didn't have 
um, people that can enforce it and stewards on 30 quid a day are normally fucking date, that's for sure. I certainly wouldn't date for 30 fucking quid a day. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you're, you're one situation where one person's at it or there's a mistake or whatever, whatever. And also Celtic have got, they reckon, about 6,000 season ticket holders who are exempt for this kind of COVID passport for whatever reason. They've got different types of jabs and so on or they don't, whatever. I mean, it's just a fucking nightmare. So I think we need to overthrow the SNP. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not a massive... It's a weird one because I'm not against it in terms of... It might cause controversy, it might annoy people, but like people that haven't bothered their arse to get the vaccine, mm. I'm not really bored if they miss a game or no through their inactions because I think it's numbers are still high and it's it's done with probably an intention to try and try and spur people who haven't had it yet to, to take it because you're going to miss out on things you like to attend. And I can see the reason behind it, but the implementation of it is. It's, it's impossible almost because Hibs are already talking about capping at 10,000 so they don't have to implement it. So then you've got guys who will be vaccinated and no vaccinated missing out on games. And uh, I just, like for instance, that Scotland Israel game, how many people have already bought a ticket right, to sell it? Mm. And even if you now want to go and get a vaccine, you're not going to be, it's impossible to be fully mm. vaccinated by the time that game yeah. comes around. So you are at a disadvantage. You're buying tickets for things that you never knew you were signed up for. But it's, see people it's, it's who, a mess. see people who didn't get the vaccine on the basis of they actually didn't want to get the vaccine. I mean, did they go to football matches and concerts? Oh, I think that reading between the lines, it seems a lot of folk angry about the football, so I think there might be some. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it all just seems. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like the fucking SNP is a bit power mad to me, and have done for a while. Um, quick, Skevsko scrutiny. They're running against time. Um, their fucking media partner podcast, the Heart and Hand podcast. Um, their guys all got done with offensive tweets, um, which led to a banner at Perth on Saturday, which uh, our good friend James Lenny took a picture of, um, <laughs> saying it was a police state and trial by Twitter. Um, now, I didn't really see how it's a trial. You know, like calling people fiends and big bead rattlers and all this kind of stuff. It's fairly cut and dry, you know. There's no really need for fucking um, Petricelli to get in there, like, you know. I know, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Like, what I didn't understand, but these guys have obviously had a certain level of notoriety with their podcast, right? Got a big following. They probably, I don't assume they never heard when the tweets were all sent out and stuff. I've no idea. Well, I, mean, but, I know Edgar's been on the go for a while. I've never heard of the other two guys. But, like, fucking... First off, right? You shouldn't be saying that stuff. Quite fucking evidently, you shouldn't be saying that stuff. Secondly, the mentality to think you've not to go back and delete it when people start paying interest in you is nuts. But equally, is that part of the mindset that they didn't give a fuck and they think they're, they're right to say these things? Yeah, that is. I mean, look, look, let's not fucking beat around the bush here. These people are racists, they are bigots, they are misogynists, there's no amount of what about it is going to fucking change that, you know what I mean? And that's the issue is they get caught and the what about it starts and bizarrely continues with David Edgar tweeting a picture of himself or his bedroom which looked like the 40 year old virgins as if that was him living the fucking high life. I know, I, I didn't understand that one, to be honest. Um, the, the whole thing's bizarre, though. Like, 
they're, they're now claiming it's like a, a daily record attack on them. And, and <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what, though? I did see one point made, and it's probably true, is that the, the daily record have went after, right? And they, they had that story. But where's the stuff that... Like, that it seems to have came about for the fact that somebody was saying that it's, it's because of media access. Daily record didn't get anywhere. Uh, the Heart and Hand podcast yeah. were getting interviews with players and stuff. And rather than pay the 25,000 that I think Rangers were asking, right. it's easier to go after the guys that are getting that access. And that might well be true. And that's even worse, in my opinion, if that is the case. Because the motivation for the daily record is all about self-preservation and going after these people. Whereas proper journalists should surely be going through that kind of thing looking for scrutiny anyway in, the, in, in these instances. Yeah, but and I, I totally agree with that. But remember, it's a tabloid newspaper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a fucking moral compass, and you know that's, you know the journalists, you know for tabloid newspapers are fucking wretches. I mean, you have to be be one. You know what I mean? Look at the, look at the Daniel Morgan case and the guy being killed thirty or years ago and covered up and how it was arrested. I mean, it's just, you know. Uh, it's like anything. It's like fucking John Gotti walking in with a fucking dapper Don suits and all that one. Eventually they've got to fucking get you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's it. So, but it was funny to see that 40-year-old virgin pick watching cartoons and saying I'm living a high life with your WWE fucking belt hanging up um, which people were like, what the fuck's that for? I was like, well, it's rigged. You know, they like rigged. So. <laughs> um, European preview which is basically Real Betis against Celtic, Sefco against Leon. Um, we're both get beat you, let's face it. <laughs> um, I I think uh, I think uh, Betis haven't had the best start to season. They maybe have a nice chance if, if play well, but um, tough games for both teams. I think to be honest. Aye, very. I mean, it's there's not going to be very. Um, this I can tell this enraged James Laney this subject, and I've no idea why. Uh, it was basically the question is there going to be a in brackets St Johnson this season in other words is there going to be a fucking dark horse um, which he was right away with a fucking jeweller's eyepiece on our tweets going what's he bastard saying now eh? um, but all we're saying is oh, all I'm asking you is can you see that anybody doing anything that you wouldn't expect normally well it's, it's, I guess it's the hard thing about that is that nobody's seen St Johnson doing it at this point last season mm-hmm. either you know what I mean like the word Terrible start to season last year. Mm. Um, Motherwell have surprised me a bit because I think everybody's thought they've had a poor start to the season and the no road was recruited pretty, uh, particularly well. And already they're up to fourth. Yeah. I, I think Motherwell could make a push for Europe. I think that would be, mm-hmm. I think that would be not quite obviously to St Johnston levels for what they done last season. Yeah. But I think it's something they would really have expected at the start of the season. Um, Obviously, it's very early doors, but like, it wouldn't surprise me to see them be up there ahead of Aberdeen, for instance, on the, on the run they're in. Mm. Um, but the St Johnston thing as well, it shows how hard it is, because they, they had phenomenal season last year. And But how hard is it to keep that kind of team together? They've already lost Kerr and McCann. Yeah. Then they've got an injury to uh, Liam Gordon, and then their focus was on Europe, which took yeah. their eye off the ball in yeah. the league. It's almost like you pay for that. You Aye. pay for that level of success. Aye. You do. You do, certainly. You do. I mean, I, one of the things we talked about off air was that when you say we pay for it, I mean, basically, for clubs in Scotland, if they didn't actually qualify, it costs them money to be in Europe. Right. Which is mind boggling, but true, you know? Um. And also, I think it was obvious to the listeners that you were absolutely choking to see Hertz and then remember they were already due to the League Cup. 
no, I, 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 no, in terms of winning doubles, I wouldn't have, well, quite good, can he? But um, St Johnston, St Johnston, I think, will be a, a long time for anybody matches what they've done last season in terms of actually winning trophies, a, a double like that. But in terms of being a dark horse, I think there's a few teams that could could be in that in that area. You happy with that, Lenny? You see, we were gone with that. We were only having a fucking dig at St Johnston. Christ almighty, I would have had the Saints go marching in playing at the start of the fucking show if you'd won yesterday, you fucking useless bastards. Anyway, lastly, kindy, um, we talked. We had a discussion amongst ourselves um, in the last couple of weeks, basically seeing other too many clubs in Scottish football. Now, I know that's like a red rag to a fucking bull for people who supported Albion Rovers for the last 40 years, and I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. But at the same time, we do have a hell of a lot of clubs in Scotland, Paul, and, you know, where is the game gone? Where are the leagues gone? What are we doing? We're doing fuck all in Europe. We've only just started to come back as an international team for the first time in 23 years. Um very, very few clubs in the top flight buy players from the championship, far less leagues below that. Um, mm. And we also now have Celtic and Safeco B teams in the Lowland League. I know they can't be promoted, but you're noticing now Hertz B team, Aberdeen B team, Hibs B team. What's the future here? It's, it's a tough one, eh, because it's, so, it's such a, a motive... Subject every time anybody says anything yeah. about changing the setup or whatever, you get the teams for the world he's gone absolute bananas. And right, I, I get it completely. So they are. Eh? I, I personally wouldn't mind seeing a setup almost that matches like what the Dutch had was where you've got a top flight fully professional, second tier fully professional that then filter into regional leagues with proper access. You know what I mean? Mm. With proper like maybe two two up to with playoffs or whatever. And you can it would still effectively be League Two or whatever, but teams would maybe filter into it if it. because the problem is the further down you go, like Lowland League, Highland League, there are there are routes for teams to get in, but it's so like it means you've got to play a playoff against the Highland team, and then you've got to play a playoff against the bottom of League Two, right. and there's no real route, and there's a lot of teams doing that level, that are big clubs, probably bigger than teams that are in in the leagues. Already, like Linlithgow Rose and Borneo Rose would take thousands to, to certain games or whatnot. True, but are they like the SMP there where if they get into the top league they become a small fish? You Quite know. possibly, aye, and it's maybe not as attractive to them, but I just think that if you had a proper nationalised system, and I'm not saying get rid of any clubs or anything like that, I just think filtering the leagues in a way that there's proper access for ambitious teams to make it in. Mm. I think teams would find their level a bit a bit more easily if there was more promotion and, and relegation into that. I've, I've been reading uh, a book about Salford City and you know their rise and all that kind of thing, and obviously we've, we've all seen the documentaries etc. And the kind of fundamental message at that throughout that has been you know to be get as so strong and linked to the community as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I've got to say this book is a lot of stuff in it that was in the documentary that's quite interesting. You know, a lot of supporters just walked away the minute they took over, like, the... Um, the oh, really? To that. Maybe some of them had Man City lean-ins, etc. Because they only had an average attendance of 80 people. They also changed the colour of the strip, which I wasn't aware of, in the badge as well. Uh, they, they played in Tangerine before. Um, they had played in numerous other colours, eh? But I'm attracted to that... I mean, I'm attracted to Salford because I love the Happy Mondays, right? But I'm attracted to the sense of 
and, and I know because we've lost it at Celtic, and I know it's different for Hertz and Celtic, uh, that sense of community. I'm, I'm, you know, the, the, the football club is the heart of a community. And it should be, you know, they've been, for example, like, you know, Hibs and Hearts have both in the last 20, 30 years muted, gone to um, other places, and it would have been a fucking disaster for both clubs. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because Hearts, especially now that they're a, they're a fan-owned, not fan-run, as they keep saying, club, <laughs> um, you know, how loyal would people have been if they'd been at Murrayfield, in that sense? Because... You know, traditionally, Tyne Castle, it's, you know, right air and it's fucking um, pubs galore and it's really mm-hmm. tight and it's a really good ground to go to and it's always going to be highly emotive and stuff. And Easter Road, the same, you know what I mean? They, you take the clubs out of the communities for me, they're done. There's no the same. I, I didn't, and it's not even that. As we were under Robinson, we moved, moved into Murrayfield. Aye. Which is still roughly, you could probably Aye. still go to the same pubs and whatnot, Aye. but it would have killed us completely because you'd have been right on about in a big stadium yeah. and, like, and then maybe 10,000 would have been there or whatever. But ah, completely, keeping these clubs in the heart of the community is massive and maybe maybe in relation to the Scots, Scottish because that's part of the part of the issue. Are, are all these local, are all these clubs connecting with the local community enough? I yeah. guess it's part of the, the discussion as to what they're bringing. Well, no, I mean, what they're bringing. But, the Livingston. I don't think so. Right, so, and here's what here's what, and I'd love somebody a Livingston support to fucking get in touch and, and answer these questions because we're kind of going around, right? So, here's a couple of things, right? I noticed a fucking thing this week. There's a there's a guy that I know through collecting programs, right? And uh, he's one of these guys that goes to the grounds, kind of like all the grounds in Britain. So a few weeks ago, he contacted me and was like, "I want to get these Livingston programs for certain games, right?" Um, and I was like, right. So I contacted a few points, nobody had them. So I was like, well, suppose you could contact the club shop. And he said, well, I'm going to be up for a, few, a couple of weeks in Scotland, blah, blah, blah. And the club shop that week was open from 4 till 6 on a Thursday. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is that? You know, and so I'd love somebody to explain that. The second one is, he was like saying to me, I would love to go to the Livingston Celtic game. I said, well, Celtic gets 6,000 tickets allocation. I said, but, you know, you just fucking Livingston never sell out and all that kind of thing. So what does he do? He fucking registers with a website, all the details, this, that, next thing. Goes to buy the tickets and he says, sorry, you can't have them. Why, no, the phones him up. And this guy comes from Stratford, right? And, you know, broad, brummy, fucking, you know, Barry Fiavirizzi and Pe- Kevin Turvey accent. Eh, I've got my ground hopper, blah, blah, blah. Nah, we didn't even sell tickets for category A games to folk that I've never been before. Right, so, so first of all, with that, right, this is a club that's on its fucking knees financially, throwing away money. Secondly, he was wanting one fucking ticket. Wasn't he wanting 30 fucking tickets that could have been a bus sneaking in or whatever? One ticket. Okay, what I mean? I don't understand that. And I'd say that sometimes I think clubs in Scotland should have a sign at their front door saying, do not give us any money. Because that's basically what they put out to their fucking fans and all that. And it's kind of like... We talked about this, and I know it's kind of off-subject, but to me it's the same thing. You know the Scotland uh, supporters thing you were mentioning? Mm-hmm. And I think you said, was it 50-odd quid a year now? For a campaign, so for two years. Aye, right. So, and I said to you, I said, right now is a chance to go, right, it's 20 quid, and get fucking, get to the Euros that is, right? But in a sense... 
it becomes like, oh no, you kind of, and it's a bit like ticket allocations and that. They become like fucking bowling club waiting lists. Mm. You some cut needs to die before you can get in and all that's fucking nonsense. How does that attract anybody? And it's a Dean, it plays into the mentality of we'll just squeeze everybody that we know rather than try and attract new people. And then when new people get squeezed too much and they say fuck it and go somewhere else, there's very few places for them to go because it's cost a bloody fortune to go to low league games. I know. Well, the, or, like, part of what you're saying there as well about places, places to go and and how things are uh, viewed, sorry, mm. but, uh, for people within clubs but as, as terms they grow them, is there's, there seems to be a real reluctance to give up this status as a professional club, right? Mm. Professional... Realistically, right? How many? It's not like teams are all these teams are full time. No. Right. So when somebody like Ron Gordon came out and said like, "Oh, we've got too many professional mm. clubs," I don't think he's saying let's shut down all these clubs. Mm. I think he's saying let's get a system that that suits it better. And I completely get the argument. Everybody will say, "I've been in the league for so long. Why should we drop out?" I get it, right? But at the same point, Berwick Rangers dropped to the league. East Stirling dropped to the league. Uh, Breakin have dropped to the league. Mm. None of them have died. Their supporter mm. bases are still there. They've still got to watch football. Arguably enjoying it more when they're winning games than they are when they're beat every week. I mean, and football doesn't stop because you've not no. got professional stats. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that people cling on to a bit too. It's, mate, listen, it's easy for me to say, right? Like, it's unlikely to have someone drop out the league, in, in the league too, no matter how poor we've been. Well, I don't know. But, but... <laughs> I don't give it a little, but, but do you know what I mean? I think some people in Scotland get too hung up on. Status is like that. Aye, but see, the thing is, right, what I'd like to ask the powers that be on the Scottish game is, what exactly is your aim? You know, mm-hmm. what, what, what are we driving for here? Because what I want is a competitive uh, top-flight league, right, that enables teams to get stronger, fitter, better, to then go into Europe again and compete, right? That's what I want, because I was fortunate to grow up in an area when that happened regularly. Right, and it was fucking fantastic. Nobody was guaranteed points anywhere. Do you know what I mean? And you fucking, you know, that's fucking hell, Chris. I've seen us fucking lose five one at Dane's Park, four one at Dane's Park. You know, things like that. Now occasionally, of course, at the end, but nowadays, you know, Neil McCann. I thought it was fucking awful the day. He's like, I basically a derby game, Ken. Yeah, you win the battle, and then you know, the good players come through. It's not work like that. I mean, tactically, Nielsen and fucking Jack Rossity were playing a game. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, back forward, no, they've done this and whatever, great. And, and, and kind of to, to the detriment of their abilities, somebody like fucking Neil McCann, you know what I mean? But I would just like to say that, I say, what, what's the purpose? What are we trying to do here? And why is it like, it just, there's no excitement, there's no magic. The fucking Celtic go to um, Forfar or whatever in the Scottish Cup, and it's, there's no magic. There's fuck all. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, you know, like the FA Cup, they've still retained that. Ken, we've not done that. And I just, I, you know, it's like now, if fucking um, Celtic play Hearts, for example, in the Scottish Cup for a drowned, there probably wouldn't even be a fucking sellout because people have already bought their season ticket. Whereas in the past, that would be, oh, fucking hell, it'll be full now. This is someone off. We need to go and support the team, make sure the trend didn't get beat. Celtic supporters were famous for that, by the way. Celtic supporters were famous for going to games in bigger numbers after a defeat, Kenny okay, Wall team back home, mm-hmm. and in games where they had a big chance of getting beat. Like European, you know, and stuff like that, and I just think oh, the season ticket culture has become a wee bit like the fucking buying your council house culture, where, you know, give them a bit of property that in their minds and they didn't disrupt fuck all, they'll just sit there mm-hmm. and take it, and that's what your season ticket. Oh my seat, you know, I'm not giving. I 
so many people in the summer got in touch with me saying, I would love to say, fuck these cunts, but I've had the season tickets for 25 years and all the rest of it. You know, and that's it. Whereas if, if, if that was, if people fucking realistically, what certain supporters have went through this last year and a bit had been through that, where it hadn't been a season ticket culture, they'd been there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's fucking driving me nuts right now. The whole note that people can't see it or merely like they didn't want to see it, how the game is just sort of deteriorating. And I was really hoping for. You know, it's a good end to end stuff. I was hoping for like a four all day to get to show, but actually, we've still got something watchable. But you know, you're watching the fucking no nos around and all that. You're like, ah, fucking hell. You know, if some kind of, how many times in your head have you watched a game, highlights or live, say it's Dundee Livingston or whatever, and go, what must cunts think about this if they're watching it? You know, three empty stand. Was Livingston even have any supporters there yesterday? Is there 20 cunts in the fucking main stand or something? Oh, I noticed they didn't have the stand behind the goals, no? But. Part, part of me thinks so the people that like Scottish football are going to like it regardless so mm. fuck people who would judge it as I like, I like Scottish football right it's got tons of flaws so I, I like love it, it. Aye, aye. Aye. but I'll not get fucking I'll not get pummeled and they fuck all about it you know what I mean I'll not get shafted no. every year and just be like I'll just keep fucking I mean here we go again with Einstein's theory of relativity but that's what it is me continuing to just pay in and pay in and pay in feeling like I'm getting shafted is the definition of insanity because it's not going to fucking change, you know? So, anyway, we have to wrap it up there because Paul is going on fucking holiday tomorrow. Uh, um, Paul, what's all that about? <laughs> I'm going away for a, a break. My wife a break from what exactly? <laughs> fucking Scotland. Uh, You've just what? fucking said you love Scotland there 10 seconds ago. I love Scottish football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you're going to uh, Spain. Yes, I am. Uh, first holiday. Now, I have put this doubt in your head because it's, it's a serious fucking question. Celtic fans were told this week you're not getting anywhere near Spain to forget mm-hmm. it, right? I reckon Paul O'Neill, Alba O'Neill, they'll look at it and go, oh God, we've got some nutcase re- actually revolutionaries here. Then they let them in, you know what I mean? Because um, I know, see some of the fucking tricks of the trade that people are doing this week to get in the country that I know. Guys are really? fucking wearing suits on planes and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Is that like, are they on the lookout for Celtic fans, like, specifically? Because I've been told they just, travel. Well, I, I mean, that's what they thought they'd say, but they did, the bottom line is they didn't want to vote for Scotland in the country. That's that's what they've told them. You know, when we, last Wednesday, the ticket allocation was there, let's go. Friday, the authorities were like, oh my God, look at the numbers in Scotland, but they didn't want them in the city. Simple as that. Now, that's Seville authorities as opposed to Spanish authorities. But I'm just, it's, you know, it's all in the same area that you're going into, obviously. They were all flying into Malaga and all. In fact, I know guys that was running buses free Ben Medina up to the game on the day and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know what the fuck is going to happen with that. But um, how long are you away for? Uh, nine nights. Nine nights? Yeah. I've never heard that expression in my life before. Nine <laughs> nights. That, honestly, neither have I. I've heard seven, ten aye, and aye. fourteen. But just it's just the way the flights are running. That's what, that's mm-hmm. what they offered. Mm-hmm. What airlines that like? Uh, jet two. Oh, so is it like a is it a package rather than just? Ah, yeah, because it made it much easier by having the the burn. Uh, Alba's first time abroad. It is, aye. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully you have a good time. Um, what was something else I was going to pick you up on? Um, see that Colin Anderson boy. <laughs> like you know, he needs to sort of participate a bit more. All he does is laugh in the. 
You ever notice Chris Sutton on fucking BT and all that? Everything he says, mm. you'd love him in the front row of a comedy show because he just laughs at everything. That's Colin Anderson. So he needs to sort of put a bit of content up. So initially, we thought we'd have another week off because Paul's away and Dougie's working. Um, but I thought, hmm, we had a week last week and that's no, you know, some people, you know, in all seriousness, people might be lonely or whatever and rely on the content. So we want to so I persuaded. Uh, Mr. McNamara to come on next week and talk about his new book. His name is McNamara, which um, it's not the best title. Let's face it. Um, and um, but he's currently it's the book's currently out now, and he's currently in the midst of a book tour, which is taken in America and all that kind of thing. I hope the fuck he's not asked America because I don't know if you've seen that, but they're not letting people with that jab into America right now. Uh, no, they didn't recognise it. They're um, the D drugs agency, whatever the fuck it's called, uh, FDA, FDA. Um, so I'll be bringing him on to ask him. Firstly, it's fucking drives people like me mental when people like him write books because he writes a book and suddenly it's all over the fucking place and he's doing a Celtic superstore and all that kind of thing. I've got to sit there for six months in front of a computer on mine, then fucking promote the fucking thing on mine, and then fucking sell the thing. If people want signed copies, oh my god, he just has to sit in a room and uh, sign 500 signed copies and some other cunt does it. And I don't think it's fair, Paul. You know what I mean? <laughs> when the fuck am I ever going to catch a break? I mean, I know I'm an independent guy, I didn't talk to tabloids, didn't fucking play the PR game or any of that bullshit, but for the love of fuck. If you'd put, no, you'd play the World Cup, you'd get, <laughs> get me to the, the breaks he's got. That's what needed, eh? <laughs> I mean, you know that fucking... You know, he's fucking, um, you know, what, what, what did he really do? Well, Not that much. Um, but I'll look forward to that. And then you know me, listeners, it's not going to be your fucking average ass looking interview about this, that, and next thing. I'm going to read the book this week and I'm going to pull apart quite a few things, especially if there are things that I think should be in there that aren't in there. Um, because people who know Jackie, right, He's fucking hilarious, right? I know that doesn't really come across much and he's kind of, you know, punditry and stuff like that, but he's a fucking hilarious guy and uh, he, he's similar to Kenny Dalgleish. You know, Dalgleish in interviews is very much Ken that whole maybe he's I, maybe he's nothing. You know, Dalgleish is... I've only sort of... I've never really had spent loads of time with Ken Dalgleish or anything like that, but, like, because of people like Jackie, I've seen him and met him a few times and what have you, and, you know, um, people will know fucking Jackie's father, very left-wing, leaning guy all his life. Um, the last time I was in the same company as Jackie Jr. and Ken DeLeash, DeLeash looked at Jackie and said, oh, how you doing? How's Trotsky? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and Jackie's old man, one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. Like, you know, he was driving a big Mercedes and like, oh, hold on, that the fuck? He's socialist and all the rest of it. He said, aye, but I want everybody to own one of them, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be interesting as I say I'll dig into the book this week um, read it and we'll talk to Jackie for an hour or so about that and, and trying to get into the in depth because all the, through, all the way through he's told me this is not a standard football player's autobiography this is you know names will be named you know the people some people are not going to be happy I know one person in particular right now is going to be very unhappy with the way he's portrayed, I'll leave that till next week. 
But it should be good. And uh, we can only hope, Paul, that you bring us back some sangria. Um, <laughs> one of the weekend um, basket donkeys. Um, <laughs> and, of course, as much marijuana as you can get in the suitcase. I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, on that bombshell, we'll leave you a song. And the song's for Mr. Dominic Mackay. Um, it's all in the song.